Thou shalt not sleep with thy brother's wife. It wasn't like that, no. No, it was unfortunate, but I was... Uncover her nakedness. Something like that. What were they? I don't know. Hey, Maniacs! It's Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs is a podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week we dig into the episodes of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything we love. I'm Sarah. And I'm Mark. He doesn't always talk like that. Nope. <laughs> I, uh, most if, of the time I talk normally. If you did, it would be really weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't do the DJ voice anymore. So. so did you, um, before we dive in for this week, have you decided on which of us won from last week with our cat plot? Uh, we're currently tied. Oh. Now. Uh, today I posted on uh, the webs on uh, our Twitter and on uh, the Facebook groups, and uh, we have not received any extra votes right now or suggestions. Kumquats relying on you people. Yes, just uh, saying. A slice of murder is relying on you people. No. I know I don't have a fancy cat name, but let's go. <laughs> He's kumquat, the king tankerous cat. Just as a warning, if you watch your kids, if the show is too much for your kids, they're probably too much for this here podcast. But again, this is a pretty tame episode, which is 27, A Tale of Two Hamlets. Which is season six, episode four. Yes. Before we dive in, though, another thing up at the top. We have two things up at the top. So the first thing that we want to do before we dive in to A Tale of Two Hamlets is introduce a new little segment called Midsummer in the News. <laughs> so I have a Google alert for Midsummer Murders, and every day in my news feeds I see random stories that mention Midsummer Murders, and most of them are TV listings, right? So they're yeah. like Midsummer's they're, on tonight. They're stories about like here's the cast of this new show, and it's on they the were, same night as Midsummer Murder or, or something they like were that. In Midsummer or something yeah. like that. And we're not interested in those stories. No, they're boring. There is a whole stream of reporters out there looking for clickbait search engine optimization keywords who think that mentioning Midsummer Murders in a story, no matter how tangentially related, will get their story more traffic. And in the Midsummer Murders segment, we are going to point out the most egregious, reaching, desperate use of Midsummer Murders in relationship to a news story. And oh boy, do we have one to start off with. Yes. The Eastern Daily Press. Which is a, you know, this is not the sun, right? This is a small newspaper. Published January 23rd, 2020. Recent article. The latest and the greatest. Here's the headline. Bid for revamped toilets that look like shed from Midsummer Murders delayed. (laughs) It's not even like voted successfully or downvoted, defeated. It's that it's delayed. That's, that's not even news. 
by itself. All by itself, it's not even news. So this is a village where um, there's a proposal for some new public toilets and some designs have been submitted for these new public toilets and people didn't like them. Plans to revolutionize the coastal town's public toilets have been put on hold after a debate broke out over their appearance. And their appearance? The facilities at North Norfolk District Council and and. DC owned Stearman's Yard Car Park in Wells are set to be completely remodeled at a cost of six hundred thousand pounds. Wait a minute, it costs six hundred thousand pounds to renovate public toilets? Apparently it does. Well, when you design them to look like midsummer murders. One of the people involved who represents Wells and Holcomb expressed his objection to the plans and said the toilets look like a tractor shed from Midsummer Murders. <laughs> That's the first mention. And then there's another mention. And further, it looks like an art designer's idea of a tractor shed from Midsummer Murders. Wells desperately needs toilets, but not looking like this. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. And they complained they were going to be made out of like corrugated metal that would rust and look like something out of some episode of a murder show. That has nothing to do with Midsummer Murders. I don't remember a tractor shed being Ever. a key thing in any episode. No. I mean, there's a lot of barns and stuff, but yeah, not something specifically a tractor shed that looked like a public toilet. No. Definitely not. What a great find. Great article. Who wrote this awesome piece, by the way? Let's this, give him a little bit of shame credit here. awesome piece was written by Abigail Nicholson. Abigail Nicholson. You can do better than this. You could do better, Abigail. If you're going to try to get some traffic by mentioning an awesome show in your story, do better. Absolutely. And number two off the top is that uh, Midsummer Season 21, Episode 2, airs tomorrow night in Britain. Which episode's that? That is The Miniature Murders, oh. which will be airing on Tuesday, February 4th at 8 to 10 on ITV. It's a good episode. Absolutely. And what I'm going to tell you is we have a, a mini episode that has no spoilers based on that. It's mini episode two, The, Midsum the Miniature Murders, Don't Eat the Bubbles. <laughs> They're nice and short and sweet. And they give you some things to look for while you're watching the episode for the first time without ruining the plot or giving anything away. No spoilers. So if you want to watch like a maniac, listen to the mini episode before you watch the new one. So back to A Tale of Two Hamlets, season six, episode four, filmed in September and October 2002. Broadcast the 24th of January 2003 to 9.28 million viewers. Directed by Peter Smith and written by Alan Plater. Summarize your feeling about this episode. Just like in a sentence. This, what do you think of it? This is kind of the last gasp of the ruling class episode, right? You get the socialist townies versus the lords and the manor, and there's all this tradition involved with an attempt to throw a hammer film in the middle of it. That's a good summary. My summary is shorter. Okay. Oops, we edited out the plot. Yeah, well, there is that. <laughs> There's some important information on the cutting room floor I, that I, makes this one a little hard to follow. There are a couple of times I'm like, the what? How? That's who? Who? <laughs> Did what? And we're just supposed to know. Well, we start with the cold opening with a bunch of old-timey people running towards the manor house. Peasants. 
But quickly we realize it's set in modern day because there's cameras and girls who go, ooh. And Joyce is one of them. Yes. She's a a milkmaid. (laughs) She's a hag. (laughs) We need more hags. This is part of the big reveal for the House of Satan part two. Now, we've talked about this. I was absolutely sure this was part of the filming of the movie. But it clearly isn't. No, it's like, like yeah, an in our In our memories, yeah. they were in costume because they were part of the film. Yes. But there's clearly absolutely no reason for half of the crowd to be in costume. There's another thing there's no reason of, and that's the audio microphone noise again. <laughs> I just hate it. I know, you it hate it. It just drives me insane. Rupert comes up to the microphone to explain what's going on, that this is the Ellis Bell satanic experience. So Ellis Bell is the author of a book called The House of Satan that is what the movie is loosely based on. We find out it's very loose. Yeah. Um, and, and he's played by Larry Smith. Larry Smith is an actor who is playing Ellis Bell. Now, the important thing to know about Ellis Bell is that they didn't, Pull that name out of the ether. Where did they get that name? Ellis Bell was actually the pseudonym for Emily Bronte. Oh. And when she published Wuthering Heights, it was under the name Ellis Bell. No relation to me. And one of her sisters also went by a male pseudonym with the last name Bell and published. Well, my name's Bell, but I don't publish books as women. You're not secretly a woman? No. Okay. That's good to know. I'm not sure why Ellis Bell is in the movie. Because he wrote the book, but it's not about him. It's fiction. Yeah, maybe. So I don't really know why they need an actor to play him. Yeah, I don't really need to know need to know that either. But you know, maybe it's like a wrapper around the movie or something. Well, it doesn't matter because he goes kaboom. Boy, does he go kaboom! He walks into the summer house where the author supposedly wrote the book and explodes. Well, I think it's all the cocaine up his nose. The Peruvian marching powder. Yeah. Actually, it's Semtex. This is a big explosion. It's ginormous. It would have blown all the windows out of the back of the house. Now, they do do a nice effect with a fan or something against the crowd. They look like they're experiencing the blast. Yeah. But there'd be shrapnel in all those people. All those people. (laughs) At least some of those people would die. Yeah. Well, luckily, they leave all the shrapnel lying around. (laughs) For the whole episode. They've got it roped off, and they just happen to leave... You know, just bits of vinyl siding sitting around. I wonder if there's bits of Larry. (laughs) George does say he's in bits. He does indeed. He says most of him's in a bag. When Tom and Troy uh, are coming to the crime scene, they stop at a crossroads and look left and look right. Before that, before that, the last thing about the explosion is the chicken clucking. Oh, yes. (laughs) Why is there a chicken clucking noise? There's no chickens in the scene. There's a big explosion, which would have scared the crap out of any actual chicken. The chicken did it. Yeah, I guess so. That's the chicken celebrating. (laughs) Ha ha ha, I blew up Larry. I guess so. So Tom and Troy are on their way. They look left and look right at this intersection. And at first you think it's because Troy's a bad driver and he's been told that he needs to make sure there's no oncoming traffic. Look both ways, Troy. But in reality, he's trying to decide which way to go because he's trying to decide... Between Upper... Upper Warden and Lower Warden. Yes. And, of course, Upper Warden is down the hill while Lower Warden is up the hill. That seems counterintuitive. It's because one is more north than the other. Oh. It's the one that's north that is upper. Oh, because I thought it might have been like 
One was in the upper part of the river and one was in the lower part of the river. But you say it's, it's north. You say it's north and south. I say that only because I found some actual villages in the UK that are upper and lower. Okay. And that one of them is on a river. Okay. And it's the case that you're saying. Um, and the other set is just by compass. Okay. So there's upper and lower slaughter. Oh, which are in the Cotswolds. Okay. And these are very well-known villages. Yes. If you just Google UK upper and lower, it's all slaughter. It's all everywhere. Sl- all slaughter all the time. All the time. They're beautiful, though. Oh, I mean, they're gorgeous places. They're in the Cotswolds. More interesting, though, is a place in Swindon. Okay. Are you ready for is this? Is there anything interesting in Swindon? Yeah, there's three. Okay. There's upper Lotmead. Okay. Lower Lotmead. Yes. And there's another one. What do you think it's called? Lefty Lotmead. Lotmead. Oh. <laughs> it's between them. So you can drive from upper Lotmead to Lotmead to lower Lotmead and back again. Excellent. I'm sure the post loves that. I'm sure there's no confusion. None at all. At all. Nope. Yeah. Those are the only ones I could find. I could find greater and lesser, big and small, but upper and lower, it's slaughter or Lotmead. But they really do that. So Troy and uh, Barnaby get to the manor, and there's a sign outside the manor that it's Upper Warden Manor, open to non-residents, guest accommodations, all rooms en suite. There's a gymnasium. A gymnasium. And to which I said, there's no more summer house. Yeah. <laughs> they don't list summer house on the, on the sign. So it's clear this is a manor house, a family manor house, that they've now had to open for commerce. Yes. To pay for the upkeep. So they've got guest accommodations. They've got a tea room or a restaurant or something like that. And... It is the Smythe Webster's. Yes. You have to have a double barrel name if you own a, an estate. Absolutely. I'm Smith Robbins. Can I have an estate? Sure. I'll give you one. Awesome. Have an estate. Awesome. We find out that Larry Smith was a pretty well-known actor, though Tom doesn't know who he is, but Troy does. Troy does a lovable geezer, diamond geezer voice for Larry, who was in a show called Diamond Geezers. He's Larry Smith. Yep. Diamond Giza. And he said, uh, birds and booze in the tabloids. So there actually was a show called Diamond Geezer. Okay. Or Diamond Giza. Yes. From 2005 to 2007. Well, Larry was in it. Though there was only one season of this show, but yeah. it went from March of 2005 to April of 2007. Well, it's British shows. They don't follow a schedule and they're of indeterminate numbers of episodes. Well, it starred David Jason. David Jason. Who was also in A Touch of Frost. Oh, okay. And did that special we watched about the people who live on the longboats. Oh, okay. Do you remember? On the the canal boats. Yeah. So I wanted to see if our impression of what a diamond geezer was, was accurate to what the actual definition is. Because I I thought we had a pretty good grip. Okay. So describe what you think a diamond geezer is. Diamond geezer is a middle-aged white man gangster from London who speaks with a Cockney accent. And does he wear a lot of jewelry or... Track suits, jewelry, yeah. Okay, so that's kind of the stereotype I had of a diamond geezer, too. Yes. We are completely wrong. Oh, okay. What's a diamond geezer? Well, a geezer is one of us, right? Like like a fella. A fella. Like a dude, okay. you know, a bro. My geezers. Yeah. Okay. My geezers, my Yo, geezers. Yo, my geezers. Exactly. And diamond means that he's good... And solid and reliable. Oh, okay. So if you said your best friend was, you know, he's a good fella. He's reliable. I can trust him. He's a diamond geezer. Like Joshua, I play board games with. He's a diamond geezer. Yeah. 
Excellent. It has nothing to do with the bling and the track suits and being kind of tacky and well, gangster. Well, then why does he wear all that stuff there? <laughs> Never mind that Brits can uh, pronounce geyser as geezer. So, like, Old Faithful is a geezer. Yeah. Which just makes me think of diamonds coming out of Old Faithful, it's, which would be awesome. It's a geyser. It's a geyser, not a geezer. Yeah. <laughs> but if he was a diamond geyser... That'd be even different, you know. Anyway. I guess. So Danny... A Giza is not what we thought it was. Danny the killer, sort of? <laughs> so at this point in time... He's a co-killer. Yeah, okay. So at this point in time, I'd forgotten who the killer was. and Everybody likes Danny. I actually thought it was Laura for a second. And I've, I, I fast-forwarded in the episode to see who the killer was. And I saw that it was Danny. Okay. You're like, oh, okay. Okay, so Danny's the killer. Okay. He brings some drinks to the family sitting outside, and they have their own harpsichord theme. They do. Every that, time they're in those four chairs yeah, facing the lawn. That is some s- serious uh, poshness. Mm-hmm. Do you have your own harpsichord theme? I don't. I also don't have a ha-ha. What is they a, do. What is a ha-ha? A ha-ha is a ditch. That you put around a formal garden that keeps deer from being able to get in it. How, how on earth does that stop a deer? I don't know how they actually stop deer, but that's what a ha-ha is. And there is one in, on their land. Okay. It circles around. It's a ha-ha. <laughs> and we, we meet the family. <laughs> yes. Which is That's what the deer say when they walk across it. <laughs> is Rupert and his fourth wife. Wendy. Wendy. Simon, who is the next oldest. He's the minister. And his wife, Laura. Yeah. And we find out that Frank, who was giving Larry the Coke at the beginning, is actually the youngest son. Yeah. So there's three brothers, Rupert, Simon, and Frank. Yes. We found out later there was a fourth brother, the oldest brother, Sinjin. Sinjin. But he died. So Rupert, Simon, and Frank. Now, Rupert... lovely eyelashes. (laughs) Rupert, the oldest brother... The Lord of the Manor is played by Ronald Pickup. Okay. And he's been in a lot of things. He was in both of the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel movies. Yes, he was. He's really good in those. He was also in another Midsummer episode in 2008. He's in The Magician's Nephew. Oh, I love that episode. His daughter is also in that too. Okay. Uh, his daughter's name is Rachel Pickup, and she plays the the girl with the long blonde hair who's kind of crystally and loony. Loony. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But the most notable thing yes. that Ronald Pickup has been in. The most notable. We've watched the original Father Browns. Yes, we have. Do you remember the one called The Eye of Apollo where there's a sun uh, cult on top of a building? In the building in which Flambeau has his detective agency. Yes. Ronald Pickup plays Callan, the, the leader of the Sun Cult. That's right, he does. And he has an awesome headband. He does. He has <laughs> a fantastic head. That whole episode is fantastic. Yes. <laughs> I mean, tons of things he's been in, but yeah, that, that was my favorite thing that he's been in. We'll have to put a picture of that in the uh, show notes. Simon is played by Christopher Good. He's not really been in much. Um, but the youngest brother, Frank is played by Jonathan Hyde. Okay. And he's been in a lot of awesome things. Yes, he has. He was in Jumanji. Yes, he played he, 
The Van Pelt. Van Pelt, the crazy guy. Oh, he's a terrifying safari hunter. Yes. With a great big mustache and a huge elephant gun. Yes. Who seriously wants to kill people. Yeah. Um, he also played Eldritch Palmer in The Strain. You didn't watch The Strain with me, did yeah, you? Yeah, we watched at least a season of it. He's the old kind of millionaire guy who's behind the whole um, trying to capture the, the strain because he wants to be infected so he can yes. live forever because he's about to die. Yeah. Um, he was also in Anaconda. Oh, well, who wasn't in Anaconda? And he was in Titanic. Oh, that sounds like a good resume. Yeah, he's been in lots of things. And he either plays the, <laughs> you know, I'm an uppity, mucky muck, fancy man. Yeah. Or, or he plays this kind of Hollywood schmoozer, highlight and hair guy. he kind of has guy. to do both here. Yeah, he, he does it well. Part he, of the both family. He did go to the tanning bed in anticipation of this role. Yeah. He is the least pasty person in the family, for sure. Barnaby needs a room. So let's find They need a, a room, room for an incident room, right? Let's put him in the church school room. Yeah, that's a good place to put him. More on the church school room <laughs> later. <laughs> you remember Simon's face when they say, Rupert says, well, we can just put him up in the school room at the church. And Simon at first looks like, hey. And then he's like, oh. Yeah. And you don't know why. Uh, I think I know why. I thought it was just because Rupert was kind of imposing on him and saying they will be there whether you like it or not, which he is. But there's another layer to Simon's response. Yes, there is. So Phil stops by. He's the handyman, Phil Harrison. He stops by and sees Danny in the kitchen. And so, they have a good old talky talk. So Danny Pinchel is the cook. Yes. Right? That's his role, as he cooks for the restaurant. And kind of a butler, too. And he's sort of a butler to the family. He's obviously got a relationship with Rupert, and he's kind of like a son to him, because Rupert doesn't have any children with any of his four wives. We don't know what happened with the other three. Yes. And so Danny has this role, and he does such a good job of being very clean-cut and presentable. He's always got his little white apron on and his polo shirt. Yes. The kitchen is spotless. Yep. And lonely. Yeah. He doesn't have any help in there. He does it all on his own because that's how he gives Phil a lobster and a big old bile, a, a bottle of booze. Yeah. He's played by Joe, Joe Stone Fewings. Wow. That's a name. He's, again, been in a lot of things. The most interesting thing that I found about him is that he's been married to Nancy Carroll for a long time. And you would know her as Lady Felicia in the new Father Browns. Oh, Lady Felicia, who shows up in a Midsummer coming up. Yep. They've been married for a the long time. The screamy, screamy woman Midsummer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Danny is so clean cut and, and nice and presentable and respectful. Yes. Everybody likes Danny. Everybody likes Danny. And Danny likes Spaccio so much <laughs> he drowns in it. <laughs> Joyce has all the scoop, right? Because either Joyce or Cully have to have the local gossip. Apparently, it's for all Tom. a pack of lies. Because Ellis wrote the book in Lower Warden. We've got this battle between Upper Warden and Lower Warden. And then they just offhand say that the film is a travesty and it's all Oliver Cromwell's fault. What What does Oliver Cromwell have to do with this? Th that's uh, one of the things that wound up on the floor. Okay. Who knows? Would that be the floor of the Cricket Pavilion? Hmm. We'll get to the cricket pavilion, but right now it's on the editing room floor. But you know what? Larry's death is kind of good for business. I guess so. That's what Rupert thinks. Though we don't see any guests or any people in the restaurant no. or anything the whole time. But they had a good lunch. Yeah. Joyce loves Danny's meaty balls. 
The hotel. He just lost his mother. <laughs> Such a sweet boy. The hotel's really nice. They've got a reception desk desk in the foyer. Oh, I'm sorry, foyer. Yes. I'm in Hoosier. And I became fascinated with this life-size devil sculpture that is holding, like, the business cards for the hotel. It has, like, a big... Forked beard. Forked beard, Oh, yeah. look for him. He's fantastic. Yes. I found one wood-carved statue he's online like, that's even closely... He's got legs and everything. Yeah, he's not a satyr, though. No. Because he's got two horns, um, and he's got a tail. Oh. A long tail. Oh. So he's goaty. But goats don't have long tails. No. Devils have long tails. Uh, Satyrs don't have long tails. Neither do fawns. So it's definitely a devil in a waistcoat. But he's fantastic. I would love to have one. Tom goes back to the manor, driving past the broken shards of the summer house. Again, this is one of those episodes where George just appears and says pithy things and then disappears. Larry's in bits. The reason why he's come to the house is he wants Larry's help with the press conference. And the press conference is at the church school room. (laughs) Where they sit at a table meant for little kids. Their knees are all up in their chest. I wanted to see if they're... They were sitting on little elementary school chairs, too. Yep. But then I got completely obsessed with what the children had drawn in the church school room. Because the camera pans down the hallway across all this children's art and then into the door where you see press, if you want to call I'm saying inverted quotes, press, and everybody sitting at the table to speak to them. So yes. we both responded to this art. You've studied it. There is a green devil with the house on fire. A blue devil, a grim reaper, blue devils setting a house on fire and flying above it in what looks like tacks while a girl cries. Blue devils <laughs> over a fire with grim reapers and there's this giant green snake in flames. What are they telling these children? I thought I tried to figure it out. Like, is there a story in the Bible that they were drawing out? No. Or did they say... Hey, draw a picture of what you think happens after you die. No. I hope not. Uh, it, it's just all horrible. I, it's like bad therapy painting for children. Like, I, it, like, show me where he touched you. Exactly. And what are your bad dreams about? Yes. <laughs> no but, wonder Simon was like, maybe we shouldn't. Oh, well, okay. The press are going to be there. Okay. I'm assuming the production people had a blast making those paintings. <laughs> They got out the watercolor and the finger paints yeah. and the glue sticks. <laughs> so Murdoch is here. Bum, 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 Not bum. that Murdoch. Not Murdoch Mysteries Murdoch. It's Murdoch of the Costin Echo. Yeah, he's skeezy, right? He is. He asks a drug-related question. But what other press is here? Jack uh. Wilson from the Upper Warden Church Newsletter. Yes, he owns hard-hitting news. He owns the bookshop on the high street, and he wants to know, he wants everybody to know this is all local, and you should all just go home. And it's probably people from Lower Warden anyway. Because <laughs> they're evil down there. They are. Up there, wherever they are. <laughs> they immediately start to build up this hatred between the two villages, right? But we don't really know why, except that maybe Upper Warden sort of stole Ellis Bell from them. Maybe, but there's a lot of hatred, especially between Anne and Emily, with their bad... They both had nights of passion with Larry Smith. Did it give them bad makeup of being hit in the head with a... Flower arrangement? Flower arrangement? They're gonna fight. 
fight. I wish we'd seen the fight. I would have, it would have been better. They probably cut that out too. There's flowers from Darren also. Darren. He's the local video nerd. Yeah. So about this episode, this is like, it shows its age here. Yeah. You, you don't make fun of nerds like this anymore. No. What he's into. Especially in a show that later does an entire episode about comic book inventions. Yeah. And has already done Aliens. I mean, Darren is, yeah, he's into movies that doesn't make him that fringy. Not at all. But he does have a mimeograph machine. That's pretty fringy. Oh, boy, does he have all sorts of things in the back of that bookstore. Did you did you want to have his bookstore? Not the downstairs. No, 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 no. So Troy goes to the bookstore and goes up and meets with Darren, and he's running his mimeograph machine. Now, on the wall are the following. Now, before you do that, just note, it's the Upper Warden Parish Newsletter. Yes. Not the Upper Warden Church newsletter, yes. which is what Mr. Wilson said. It's incorrect. There's a Betty Blue poster. Betty Blue was a famous sort of independent movie in the 90s. Scars of Dracula, which is our third Scars of Dracula reference. It's a, you know, it's just, this is a hammerish kind of thing, right? Uh, the Deer Hunter, Doctor Who and the Daleks, which is a strange movie on top of everything. Mm-hmm. Carry On Cowboy, which really doesn't fit the rest of it. No. Nosferatu, Horror of Frankenstein, The Man in the White Suit, Lust for a Vampire, all of which I've seen. Of course you have. Billy Liar, and of course, House of Satan, and Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day and Carry On Cowboy just don't fit. They don't fit. They just had some empty spots. In the Upper Warden Parish newsletter that is thrown in front of the screen. (laughs) So you paused it and read the entire thing. But of course I did. The headline is Lower Warden Strikes Again. (laughs) They've already convicted him of everything, huh? Other headlines include confirmation classes, er, an early warning, and Upper Warden Floral Club. So I'm like... An early warning about what? Early warning. And so... Here is the following article under early warning, all in capital letters with an exclamation mark. As if this is something important that we need to be warned about. Are you ready for this warning? Okay. Are you being warned? Okay. Okay. From the beginning of next month, the vestry hour will be on Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. until 7.30 and not on Wednesday as previous. What's a vestry hour? Vestry hour is when you go to the church when you're planning a baptism or a wedding or a confirmation, when you want to book the church, you go and meet with the the minister at that point in time to come up with when it's going to be. You have an hour a week to it, plan it, events? It's like office hours for the church. Wow. I'm yeah. glad we're warned. I wouldn't yes. want to show up at the wrong time. And there's two advertisements on the bottom, MJH, Southern Limited Central Heating, and Bob's Electric Services. <laughs> they sponsor the parish newsletter. They do indeed sponsor the parish newsletter. But then, so all these movie posters and a parish newsletter, I'm like, this is the best scene ever. And then Troy pulls out his warrant card, and I notice there's a badger on it. We knew there was a badger on the Midsummer Constabulary crest. I didn't know the crest was on both sides of the Warren card and he's got it all. Oh, I want one of those so bad. Isn't there somebody on Etsy or something selling fake Yeah, like, fake ones. But it's like a PDF you can print or and something. Guess what? It has no badger on it. No badger? Nope. Bad, honey badger don't care. <laughs> Meanwhile, Barnaby's in the house of Satan. He's in the 
you know, basic satanic experience. So the idea is that the manor house is going to be sold as a hotel and a satanic experience. Okay. Yes. Boy, Disneyland has nothing to worry about here. No. They've got one old wine cellar with some spinny lights and a big head. A big head and... Uh, the subtitle said, Spooky Moaning. Yeah, there's some spooky moaning coming out of a box. It's an homage. Yeah, that box that's supposedly playing the audio is clearly not a thing that plays audio. The one that Rupert bangs on? And guess what? If you bang something that's playing audio, it's probably not going to work any better. No, <laughs> it's not going to help it. It starts to skip like it's a record. Ah, 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 ah. But thankfully, there's... Two classic movie references in here for Jaws and Psycho. What? Yep. Where? He says, if you show them a plastic shark and or a plastic shower curtain, they'll be happy. Ah, uh, yes. I get you. I get you. Speaking of movie references, back at the video store, we now see some videos. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of them is a movie called A Town Like Alice. Okay. Uh, which is about a town like Alice Springs. It's an Australian movie. Oh. Pie, which is a weird independent movie from the 90s, which is great. An X-Files movie and Nightmare on Elm Street 3. (laughs) So, you know, quality rentals that are going to be really popular in Upper Warden. Yes. Darren says he knows about classic movies, The Prisoner and Doctor Who. And he doesn't have relationships as a rule. No. Because there's a rule against having relationships with him. I guess so. He's kind of pasty. He lives with his grandma. He's a little bit. So Tom has a conversation with Rupert. Yeah. Oh, no, it's Frank. I'm sorry. Yes. It's Frank that says, didn't, uh, it's just like Hitchcock said, actors are cattle. Yes. That's not what he said. No. What he said was, and I quote from Hitchcock. From Hitch. I never said actors are cattle. What I said was all actors should be treated like cattle. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) And shortly after this, so, you know, Emily and Murdoch are in the pub and he's talking, he's coaching her into giving him a good story. That's not really true. Um, We find out that Darren filmed the explosion, but, you know, he can't produce it right away. Then Rupert and Frank are in the woods. Yeah. And here's where the editing problems start. They're apparently leaving money because someone has demanded. Well, first, they, they go out there, they flip a coin to decide whose plan they're going to go with. We don't know what plan for what. We're going to do it father's way, the short, sharp shock. Now, do you know where that's from? No. It's from the Makito. Oh. I, I know lots of different references. You mean the Mikado? The Mikado, sorry. The three little little schoolgirls are we, that Yes, but it's, it's from a general song. Yeah. Yeah. So Frank wins. He says, we're going to do it my way, right? My way. That's the section in my notes. My way. My way. Which means we're not going to leave actual money. No. We're going to screw these blackmailers. And we're going to... Who are blackmailing us for... Mm. I don't know. Don't know. They never tell us. The chicken. It's that chicken. (laughs) It's the chicken that comes along in the motorcycle. Man, does he know how to wear a disguise. He wears all leather and a helmet to ride his motorcycle. (laughs) Vroom, vroom, bark. Yeah. <laughs> so they're out there at night. <laughs> wow, he had to normalize that volume. Anyway, so the plan is that they will catch the blackmailer or shoot the blackmailer 
um, but not give him any money. Instead, he'll have a note that says, screw you. And, and this is in daytime, right? Well, no. They flip the coin in daytime, and then it's night. Okay, so they go from where they were in the woods at night, at day, to the nighttime woods, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, they don't go there. No? They go home and change first. Well, yeah, and they come back. Well, only one of them changes. We don't think that they sit there all day. Well, what one of them sat around in the same clothes all day. Here's what I don't understand, though. Not only do I not understand why they're being blackmailed, why they're being asked to give money, who knows? He's got some night vision specs. What I really don't understand is that the blackmailer comes along on a motorcycle in a black helmet, black leathers, and, a, and rides off, right? Mm-hmm. It's well known to everybody that Danny has a motorcycle and wears black leathers and a black helmet, which he probably drives to work. Yeah. Why don't they know it's him? Well, he's a little person. He's unimportant. I guess. Rupert thinks of him as a son, and he's unimportant. No, he thinks of him as a son for one scene and then not another scene, and then does think of him That's as a That's true. Son. Now, we also find out that Phil Harrison has the same motorcycle. Yes. But not the same leathers. No. So they might have thought it was Phil, maybe. Maybe. But they would have known it was one of two people, and they act like, it's a complete mystery who that is. Just imagine how different this episode would be if Rupert wasn't such a bad shot and actually shot Danny right here. It'd be very different. That would be a problem, because Danny's the killer. If Danny dies, there's a problem. Wait a minute, Danny does die. I know, this is where (laughs) I was like, who killed Danny? Well, it wasn't the person who sprayed Leviticus 18.16 on the church door. Because that was Sarah. You mean Lev? No, it was Laura. No, it was Sarah. Oh, She's Sarah, got the Sarah. spray yes, paint yes, yes. in the Ellis Bell oh, Museum. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yes, yes, yes. It, it's, it wasn't Lev Yashin, <laughs> who is an actual Russian goalie. <laughs> no, it's Leviticus 18.16. The nakedness of thy brother's wife. Don't uncover the nakedness or... Have sex with various animals. There's ramblers in the church. That woman's got a great big stick. She does. What are those ramblers in the church doing? I don't know. Taking pictures. Whenever I see a character like that in the background who gets a little bit of attention but not speaking part, I always think that they held a contest. Yeah. Like, are you the biggest Midsummer fan? Enter this sweepstakes and you can be an extra in a Midsummer. And those, that couple won the sweepstakes or something. Well, by the way, Frank works out too fast and dies. <laughs> he does, he goes 35 miles an hour on that bike. He actually goes above 35 miles an hour on the bike. So are we supposed to think that the, the um, electric current being run through the bike makes it go faster? Okay. Electricity doesn't work like that. Okay. It's a little wily coyote, this particular death here. <laughs> well, he dies. Yes, and Helen finds him. Oh, Helen, the receptionist with the really bad perm. I feel bad for her, though. And Laura says, and then there were four. Because they're out there in their chairs with their harpsichord music again. And, I, and at this point, I'm counting glasses. And I think Laura's had onto the, her third G&T here. Wouldn't you be? Oh, I would be, for sure. I mean, nobody liked her son, but her son is still dead. Well, That's sad. You know what they and deserve? And now the father of her son is dead. You know what they deserve? What? A whacking. <laughs> whack em and whack em and whack em. Have you ever read Wind in the Willows? No, but Simon it got into it. 
pretty big time with his whacking. He's a bit upset. I guess so. So here's what actually happens in Wind in the Willows. Please tell me about the whacking in Wind in the Willows. Let me let me just read a little context, right? So the animals are they're getting together and making a plan. Okay. Okay. We shall creep out quietly under the butler's pantry, cried the mole. Okay. With our pistols and swords and sticks, shouted the rat. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. And rush in upon them, said the badger. And whack em, and whack em, and whack em, cried the toad in ecstasy, running around and around the room and jumping over the chairs. Th- this is more social commentary than Ellis Bell's novel. They have pistols, swords, and sticks. The sticks I wasn't surprised by. The pistols... Yeah, I'm a little worried. Who about makes them. animal-sized pistols? Can they make their own pistols? Did Mr. Toad forge a pistol? And I thought Mr. Toad was the... Is Mr. Toad the villain, or...? He's not Mr. Toad. He's just Toad. Toad. Toad, rat, mole, and badger. Well, who are they going up against? Everybody else. Okay. The cute and fuzzy animals. I guess. That people like to pet. <laughs> They've so, tunneled under the, under the butler's pantry, by the way. Then there's this weird thing where Barnaby says he heard something about... Wendy, not Wendy. He heard something about, yeah, Wendy. Wendy. Wendy with Larry. But no one told him that. No. It's just, I I think we're just supposed to assume that because Wendy is so much younger than Rupert and she's beautiful, that maybe she's sleeping around on him and so he would be upset. Maybe, but they're dropping things all over the place. There's a gap. Yeah. Right? Where... We've not seen the scene where Tom is given some kind of information that might lead him to believe that. He's not the kind of guy who would just go, well, you're pretty, so you probably screw everybody. He's not that kind of guy. Yeah, it's not like that. It's weird. Speaking of weird, Darren's at the Eight Bells Pub. Yep. And we know why it's called Eight Bells now, because that's a full peel. Eight Bells. That's right. We know that from the Bell Ringers episode. Yep. Troy gives him a list of all the people who left flowers for Larry. I guess assuming that Darren's local so he'll recognize every name on the list. Clearly he doesn't because... He doesn't even recognize his own <laughs> But he makes a reference to dark satanic mills. Yeah. Do you know where that's from? No. That's from Blake. Oh. And it is about, like, industrial mills. That makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of over Darren's head, though, isn't it? Yeah. Unless it's referenced in a Hammer film, I doubt he would know about that. He seems to. Darren is in the Upper Warden T.A. Yes, at which point I have a note that says T.A.? Territorial Army. Yeah, I didn't know what T.A. was. And I didn't know how Troy knew he was in the T.A. And even when I heard, and I knew that T.A. was Territorial Army, in my head that was like a historical reenactment army. That's what I thought it was. Not at one first. with machine guns. Oh my gosh. The armory. We'll get there. Wow. Phil lives in a windmill. And he's not Jonathan Creek. No. That windmill is actually in Brill. Brill? Yeah. Okay. That's where that windmill is. Okay. And the bookshop is called the Cottage Bookshop, and it's in Penn. Oh. Brill. And it looks just like that. Yes. That claustrophobic, can't get around anywhere, books up to the ceiling. Now, when Troy goes to the, the windmill, he drives up the driveway to the windmill. Right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there is a driveway. Yeah. Okay. You know what I want to know what? is why does Emily, Phil's fiance, hang her bras on the line? Why doesn't she just put them on the sails of the windmill? Well, mostly it's because she's got no pants on anyway. <laughs> we do. We do get that relationship, right? We know that Emily is engaged to Phil. 
What we don't know at this point, I guess, and I think we're supposed to know, is that Sarah Prouty is his mother. Yeah, we, we're never told explicitly until at the end where he's like, Ma, that I, Phil is Sarah's son. Hey, Midsummer writers, when two people have different last names, we don't assume they're related. Well, let's take a little trip. And it, it changes everything when you know they're related. Yes. Let's take a little trip to Lower Warden. Oh, boy. how I like to call it, Junk Town. My, my note says, Lower Warden equals junky shithole post-apocalyptic village. <laughs> There's a bed and a frame in the middle of the street. It's not like they've got a big junk pile to the side of town. No. It's everywhere. They went so over the top. They've even got a nasty black cat. <laughs> but the Ellis Bell Museum's nice and clean. It's like, I'm just imagining the scene setters. Like, we we need some junk to strew around this town. No, no, no. We need more junk than that. Okay, just just back up a lorry of garbage. And some old appliances. We need those, too. It's so filthy. Like, you can't even get around. wet and gross. (laughs) Later, Rupert's trying to drive down the street, and he has to go around an old dishwasher, a refrigerator, and a mattress to get where he's going. (laughs) Like, these people have absolutely no pride. Like, I understand Brexit's been hard on you people, (laughs) but wow. Well, and you get this sense that Lower Warden is kind of this like socialist mecca, right? They reject the whole landed gentry thing and they're like all about Ingalls and Marx and stuff. The proletariat don't clean up their messes. A- apparently they can't organize refuse pickup. <laughs> but they can sure make a pub. They can turn the church into a pub and organize that, raise money and do the building work themselves. But they can't pick a mattress up out of the middle of the street. Or a frame. You know what this village looks like? What? If our kids ran a village. Our kids are great. They're not the neatest. No, I take that back. There'd be more trash. Well, as I look into our library and see a mattress on the floor. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Next to a punching bag. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it is our kids. So at the Ellis Bell Museum, there's some talking, but I'm completely stymied by this thing that happens. Tom buys the book. Mm -hmm. He gets some change. With his change, he puts some of it in the SPCA bucket. Right. And then he picks up a spray can. That I thought was like pledge, like dusting spray. And then he carries it around while they're talking. As if he's bought that too. And I was like, why has Tom bought a spray can? (laughs) Why is he carrying it around? And then my notes go, oh, it's spray paint. Oh, she print sprayed on the door. And finally, the last note is, worst vandal ever. Yeah. (laughs) She just leaves it there next to the cash register. Sarah says, I don't kill people unless you're on Doctor Who. Oh, my God. She was a brain slurper on Doctor Who. She had a straw and everything. Yep. She says that... um, Laura Warden hasn't been the same since the Great Slump. Do you know what the Great Slump is? It's a British uh, sort of international name for the uh, worldwide depression after Black Monday. The Great Depression, yeah. Yeah. But I like Great Slump better than Great Depression. I like Slump better, too. 
the the picture of Engels that's on the wall behind her when she's talking, when she's standing behind her counter. He's got a little doggy in his beard. He's got a puppy in his beard. <laughs> it's the weirdest picture. It's not supposed to be a puppy, okay? It's just that the way his beard is shaded and shaped, it looks like there's a little puppy poking at him from under his beard. It's weird because we didn't know who it was at first. It's clearly Engels when you look at it. But I couldn't find that picture of Engels anywhere. No, but he does have a big weird beard. He does. Always. With a puppy in it. But that one, he's got, it looks like there's a chihuahua hiding under his beard. I didn't I didn't have anything to drink before I watched this episode, I swear. Okay. I actually saw a puppy beard. So... Troy goes to talk to Danny in the kitchen, and things go off the rails here. He, First of all, Mrs. Barnaby still wants his meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> and we find out that Danny did some time, right? Well, kind of. He was at Borstal, which is a type of youth detention center in the United Kingdom. Because he blew up a cricket pavilion when he was younger. What? 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 Okay, wait a minute. Uh, such a great... Cold opening is blowing up a cricket pavilion. Why has it not been mentioned till now? Wait a minute. In your youth, did you never want to blow up a cricket pavilion? Well, I did. Just, you know. You know. It pissed you off. Well, and we find later that it was Phil who actually did it. Yeah, they worked together. So I went looking to see if that was a reference to an actual crime. Yeah. Like, did somebody actually blow up a cricket pavilion in Mm -hmm. the U.K.? The answer is yes. Okay. But it's not a crime like Danny's. It's much more interesting okay. than that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Lay it on us. In 1913, the Tunbridge Wells Cricket Pavilion was blown up and burned down. Okay. By suffragettes. Oh! But here's why they did it. They did it because they were banned from the cricket club. And why were, well... Because women were banned from the cricket club. I can't even describe this man. Yeah. You think you've met assholes. You've not met assholes because you've never met the president of the Tunbridge Wells Cricket Club. Okay, lay it on me. Quote. Okay. It's not true that women are banned from the pavilion. Who do you think makes the tea? Oh. He said that after they burned it down. (laughs) Well, okay, after the second time they got it burned it down, (laughs) what happened? Like, let's burn him down. (laughs) You don't want to piss off suffragettes. I just, oh, and if if you've if without you words, if you haven't heard the story, uh, in particular of British suffragettes, the crap that they went through, so that women could vote. Oh, they were arrested. Is, they were harassed. They were, were groped, raped, force-fed, hunger-striked, uh, like just their heads shaved, just horrible, horrible. things. And well, and this jackass. That's a reason to burn down the cricket mm, pavilion. It's a reason to burn him down. Anyway, I'm so. sorry. Danny says rehabilitation. Danny says rehabilitation works. Um, you're the killer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's better at faking it now. I guess. By the way, let me show you my gun, Troy. What does that have to do with anything? Troy never asked. There's no gun involved in the the crime. This beautiful gun I keep in my locker that Rupert gave me. That, That has, like... No lock on it. I think he's just trying to prove that he's in with the family. Everybody likes Danny. Everybody likes Danny. Then we get to go see the armory. Yes. This is so weird. It comes out of nowhere. And folks from the UK, you're going to have to tell us whether this is accurate or not. So they're in the bookstore and they're talking to Jack. 
And then Jack says... He says, oh, they stole my screenplay, blah, 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 blah. Yes, I'm a member of the TA, too. I'm the armorer. Two days extra as the part of a corpse? Best corpse in this episode. Maybe Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Upper Warden Territorial Army. And then they go into this American-style armory, like... Militia. Yeah. There is easily 30 machine guns. Oh, yeah. And shelves and shelves of ammunition. And they let these yobs go out and practice with these things? Let's start a war. They let Darren use a machine gun? Darren can't use a mimeograph machine. He can't use that giant video camera at the (laughs) the end of the episode. (laughs) Like, what? You know, I know that during the wars they had the home guard... That was important, and those men were armed the best they could arm them to protect, you know, people in case there was an invasion. But this is not necessary. Okay. Not even in the United States where we've got gun-toting loonies would this be okay. I'm going to tell you what else is not necessary. What is not necessary is thunder flashes could have no way created the explosion at the beginning. They could if you took them apart. And took the small amount of gunpowder in each one I guess, and put it together. Boy, that should have had a flashback because it didn't. He, I saw at least one video on YouTube where a guy put six thunder flashes together, mm-hmm. and it didn't even make close to anything like that. They mm-hmm. make a lot of smoke and a little bit of like pew pew firework. Yeah. And plus, they're all like hand instigated, right? You pull the top off of it, you flip the top around, and you. You scratch on it like a like a match, mm-hmm. and almost all thunderbangs are like this, right? And to like what did? But what if you took them apart and used the ingredients that were inside of them? That's a possibility. Like you could make an explosive but, out of fireworks if you took the little bit of gunpowder that's in each one. I agree, but I would have liked a montage at the very <laughs> because. The flashbangs I saw the videos of and that explosion were in no way related. Oh, the real question is, how do you make that remote controlled from all the way at the windmill? Well, you just have a phone and a button. The phone has nothing to do with That's it. That's true. That's true. Danny just goes now and and fills their paint in his windmill and presses the button on the weirdest looking remote control. I thought like a little RC car would come out or now, something. No, Mark, it's got an antenna. It does have an antenna. So that means... It can reach really far. I guess so. Like 50 feet or all the way from the windmill. That's in Lower Warden. I guess. He's a village away. That man is in the wrong career. If he can make remote control explosives that work counties away, not counties away, but a village away. Well, you know, Barnaby Park's a far, uh, pretty much a village away from the windmill to go up to it. <laughs> Why is that there? Like, he's in stealth mode. But he's in stealth mode in a suit going across an area that is visible from the windmill. <laughs> what do you want him to do? Like wear like military camo? No, Put but the paint on his face and everything? Maybe go at dusk at the very least. <laughs> okay, so the motorcycle guy comes up. And he looks at something on the windmill, Mm -hmm. which I at first thought, honestly, was the paint job. Like he climbed up there, looked at the paint job and went, bastard, you did a bad job painting this. The bastard thing is what threw me. (laughs) (laughs) You did a horrible job painting this. Why would he? So the idea is that either Phil or Danny went to pick up the blackmail money that we don't know anything about. 
and they were going to split it, and half of the money was going to be left on the windmill sale. Why on earth would they just not leave the money inside or just agree to meet somewhere? Or oh. I mean, they do see each other. Yeah. Hey, here's half of the money. Playing pool with Troy. But I did figure something out, though. Yeah. We were stumped by this whole Judas thing. Yeah. Right? So what the sign on the windmill actually says Judas. Yes. Right? So this tells us Phil was the one on the motorcycle. Yes. He picked up the screw you note and no money. Yeah. And then wrote Judas on a note, pinned it where he was supposed to leave the money, and Danny finds it and says bastard. So why does Phil leave a note to Danny that says Judas? Because he likes Judas Priest. No. Okay. Because he thinks the reason why there was no money is that Danny told them. Oh. That Danny undermined the blackmail because he wants to get in good with the Smythe Wilbertons or whatever their name is. What scene is that covered in? It's not. Okay. I piece that together. So it's a guess. It's a guess. Okay. It's a deductive reasoning guess. Boy, we got to do a lot of that this episode. Well, Troy's got flat tires. Yep. That's what you get when you go to the chapel pub. Darren's there to confess. (laughs) To letting the tires out. So did they... Do you know how they do that? They don't. They don't actually poke a hole in the no, tire. No, you put a nail in the little um, in the rim. Yeah, and that leaves enough gap for the air to go out. Yeah. How long does that take? It should take a while, but Troy was there playing pool for a while. Yeah. Sorry, billiards. Billiards. Schnooker. Schnooker. Uh, and he noticed that Danny and Phil were having a row. Mm-hmm. And we see the House of Satan party, and then we see Danny and Phil. In the big reveal that they have the same motorcycle and the same leathers. Which means Rupert and Frank should have known who was in the woods. But anyway. Barnaby knows that. Why? I don't know. We do know that Laura admits to sleeping with Frank. So Larry was actually Frank's son, not Simon's. Then we find out that Sarah Prouty is Ellis Bell's great-granddaughter. Oh, hold on. When we find out that Laura who is the nakedness part, mm-hmm. right? Um, in the church, there's hymns 23 and 47. Mm-hmm. Now, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with the Anglican church, you don't know about the Anglican church hymn book, which is a unified hymn book. Across so that's the, that sign that's in front that has the numbers on it, that yes. the minister puts the numbers there that's of the, the hymns numbers, you're going to sing that week? That You put the numbers in the hymns you're going to sing that week, and okay. you're always thinking three, not four. You're trying to... Two is a real short week. Yeah. You're in and out of there in less than an hour with two hymns. Oh, okay. And I, unfortunately, I looked up hymns 23 and 47. They weren't like, you should not live. Thou shalt not sleep with thy brother's wife. It wasn't like that, no. No, it was unfortunate. Uncover her nakedness. Something like that. What were they? I don't know. Oh, they they weren't interesting enough to write down? They were not interesting enough. So it it wasn't the ones that um, Joyce and Tom wanted at their renewals? No. Their vow renewals? That would have been a good little Easter egg. And then at the end, she pulls the Anglican thing that I've seen happen in so many real-life situations where you're in a conversation at a church that you don't want to be in. You're like, I'm going to go pray now. I'm going to pray. You can join me if you want. (laughs) I'm praying. Go away. Go away. <laughs> That's when we need the ramblers to come in with their sticks. What are y'all doing in here? <laughs> 
So Laura and Frank had an affair 20 years ago, but Sarah and Rupert had an affair 30 years ago. Okay. Did she suck his brain then? With a straw? If you've never seen that Doctor Who, you don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> There's these big rhino soldiers and Sarah Prouty, or the actress who plays Sarah Prouty, who is Anne Reed. Thank you. Gosh, I didn't think I was going to get there. I couldn't find her name. Uh, plays an alien who looks like a little old lady, but secretly is a brain sucker and carries a little straw to do it. Yes. Danny's good with electronics. Yep. He's a wizard with wires. Everybody Let's go talk to Danny. Danny. <laughs> Danny's dead? Wait a minute. <laughs> I literally had a, like, I was like, what? How could Danny be dead? I saw the flashbacks at the end of the episode. How could Danny be dead? I thought the same thing. So when they, so Troy and Tom approach the kitchen, and of course, there's blood everywhere, right? It looks like it looks like blood. Somebody has been beheaded, kind yeah. of level of blood. Yeah. Is there a vicar about? Then when they get closer, tumbled into the living room. By the way, the head did. Um, when they get closer. <laughs> You see, oh, no, it's not blood. It's some kind of tomato sauce or something, yes. right? And Danny is in the weirdest kind of semi-fetal arm-twisted oh, position. Well, it's weird. And I thought, okay, I know he's the killer because I remember that. Maybe he's not dead, right? Maybe he's pretending to be dead so he looks like he's been attacked. I was there, too. But no, he's dead. Dead. Drowned in gazpacho. Gazpacho? That's a really big pot of gazpacho. And it's not cold tomato soup. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is. Troy doesn't know what it is. And Barnaby, it is not cold tomato soup. What, what is it? It is It is tomato juice with spices in it. It's a Bloody Mary. Yeah. It's that like, you eat with a spoon. No, you don't eat it. You drink it. From a bowl. No, you drink it from a glass. Isn't it kind of like salsa? No. If salsa was no, a soup? No, no. If salsa was a juice? It is thick, but it's not like salsa. It's a really cool, refreshing drink to have in the summer. <laughs> I, I may have had one summer where I was quite addicted to it. Did you put any alcohol in it? Uh, yes, we did. That would make it a Bloody Mary. Yes. Instead of gazpacho. So that's the difference. We called it, we were fancy and called it gazpacho. <laughs> sure you did. And then you think, could somebody really drown in gazpacho? Could that really happen? Tell me, Sarah, has somebody drowned in gazpacho? As a matter of fact, they have. Oh my, do tell. And even better is the search results I got when looking for that. <laughs> okay? Now you can see, Mark, you can see here I have a screenshot. Yes. Okay. Because the fact that these three search results came up together okay. is important. So unfortunately, in 2010, six people drowned in a vat. Six people? It was in India in a tomato sauce factory. One woman fell in. Yeah. And five other people tried to save her. And they all died And they too. all drowned. Wow. Which is absolutely tragic. It was actually ketchup. Oh. It's Which is not gazpacho. No, it's a different base, different tomato-based sauce, drink, mm -hmm. soup, slurpy bit, but very sad. Yeah. So here are the search results. The first one, six workers drown in vat of tomato sauce, Daily no, Telegraph. Not good. Second, six people drown in vat of ketchup. It's a safety news alert. Safetynewsalert.com. Okay. Third search result. Okay. Six unbeatable tips when you're drowning in tomatoes. 
horrible person wrote that. <laughs> it's about when you grow tomatoes and you have too many. Oh. You know, making a homemade marinara sauce or homemade ketchup when you're drowning in tomatoes. Well, that is surprisingly very unfortunate easy. that that came up like that. From offthegridnews.com. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so sad. Wait a minute. Six tips when you're drowning in tomatoes, <laughs> like next to those two. It's like that oh. is cinnamon uh, synonyms gone amok. Yeah, that's a that's a bad Google search on my part. But it's yeah, it's very sad. Six people actually did drown, and five of them drowned trying to save the first one. It's oh, so tragic. It's tragic. Really, Danny's drowning in the gazpacho is kind of weak compared. Yeah. Well, if Danny's not the killer, it has to be Phil. So let's go find Phil at the bookshop. The Ernie Ball Center. No, the Ennis <laughs> Bell Center. Who's Ernie Ball? He makes guitar strings and guitar. Oh. <laughs> well, Danny's, uh, Danny's dead. So Phil is crying to his mom because he's got a trash bag full of gazpacho covered mom, clothes. Mom, can you do my laundry? Oh, I killed somebody. No, it's all tomato-y. Oh, I have heartburn too. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're my mom. I didn't tell anybody that. Well, everybody knows, but except the people watching. He was the brains. All I did was push the button. Here comes Rupert. He's my dad. Wait a minute. We're a family. Oh, we're all going to prison. <laughs> no, not everybody. So Phil is Rupert and Sarah's son. He's going to prison. He's off to the pokey. He tries to escape, but Troy has emptied his tires of, of air. And now we know that Phil and Danny did the murders together. Let's talk about motive. Okay. Now, we've already acknowledged that there are missing pieces in this episode. So we've got to kind of put this together. Yeah. Why did Danny and Phil kill Larry? They killed Larry because they laughed. Rup uh, Larry, uh, not Larry. Frank. Frank laughed at Sarah. Okay, how is that Larry's fault? Well, Larry's part of the movie. Okay. And they were arguing about the movie. No. No. Sorry. No. <laughs> so Phil is the heir. Yeah. Technically, legally, he would be the heir. Yeah. Danny knows that because his mother delivered Phil. And then wrote about it right away in her diary. In her diary, which Danny has on him when he's drowned. But Phil doesn't take it. And it has no gazpaccio on it. No, it's perfectly dry. Yes. Because it was probably in his chino pocket underneath his apron. I guess. Maybe that's why he's in that weird position. He's trying to protect the diary. Protect the diary. So the best I can string together is that Larry had to die because Larry might have been the heir. Yeah. Since he was the only son of one of the brothers, the only child of one of the brothers. Yeah. He at least appeared to be an actual heir. And Danny wants to inherit. Yeah. Because he thinks Rupert thinks of him as a son. And will give him everything. So when he realizes that Phil is actually the heir and Phil's his buddy. He frames Phil. He tells Phil, hey, you're Rupert's son. We, you should inherit everything. Mm -hmm. Oh no, but wait, he doesn't tell him that no. because he doesn't know that until the final scene. And that's where he tells in the him museum. and he freaks out and drowns him. Right. In gazpacho. So Danny has a motive, but Phil doesn't. No, Phil is just, 
a homicidal maniac, apparently. Phil's upset because Frank laughed at Sarah. Yes. And until we know that Sarah is his mom, we're like, what do you care about that? Sarah, whatever. It's not like he laughed and pointed at her in front of a bunch of people. He just kind of guffawed and walked away. He dismissed her. Oh, it's, it's so weak, the motive here. So there's all kinds of things not to like about this episode, but I don't like doing that to Midsummer because I love Midsummer. Yes. So what about this episode did you love? I the mean, basic satanic experience yeah, is quite the awesome. The basic satanic experience is awesome. Darren, I love. I love Darren. This place is a little weird. No, yeah. weird's another place. Yeah, weird's another place. I like I like the whole argument over a book and who the authorship is. And how it's owned by a certain town and another town. In the strangest way possible, I come from a place in Canada that's near another place that uh, takes William Naismith as one of their own. And who's he? He's the guy who invented basketball. Okay. And uh, this little town, like, they lord it over everybody that William Naismith came from this this town mm-hmm. so and there's a william naismith museum and well all. in your town claims the red baron right or no, no 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 the, the guy who shot down the red baron was born in the town i came from see in the u.s at least in the midwest or in indiana indiana kentucky and illinois and i think ohio too all claim lincoln's, abraham lincoln lincoln's birthplace lincoln's uh, restroom place lincoln's kitchen place yeah lincoln pissed here once yeah. this is the home of lincoln now and there are artifacts that they fight over. Yeah. That should be. And and God forbid you've got a log cabin that you claim is, is actually his. So I like that. I like the harpsichord. I like the thing blowing up because that was an actual blow up. That was a that big was explosion. celebrity blow up right there. <laughs> right? Little SCTV reference there. Um, but, but there are some problems. Yeah, there are problems with this. Rupert goes to see Sarah at the windmill and she's like, I'm going to keep it until my son comes back. He's going up the river he's for not, three murders. He's not coming back. He's not coming back, Sarah. No, no. We can still be friends. No. No, I think it's too late for that. No friend zone for Rupert. So who's the best corpse? I think the best corpse is probably Danny. Well, you can't include Larry. No. Because he's in bits. He's in bits. And we don't even get to see the gobby bits. Yeah. So he's out. Frank. Frank falls over, but we don't really get to see much. He should be much more burned and smoky. He should be smoking. His plastic running suit should melt. Yes. <laughs> but Danny- we have high demand. But Danny's in that weird fetal position. He's smelling like tomatoes. He doesn't breathe. He's on He's the good. floor. Ah, uh, yeah, good. I give it to him. So okay. after the credits, what happens? Oh, my. I got like, quite a list. Okay. First of all, Rupert got no friends. Nope. No friends for Rupert. Wendy, buy some more beige clothes. <laughs> From the boutique? What's that place called? Fanciful Favorites or something yes. like that? Oh, Fashion Favorites. Yes. Hideous well, clothes. Laura and Simon are sad. I'm going to pray. Darren probably has his own YouTube channel now with millions of people who download his videos. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah gardens for a long time. Mm, she's going to grow more than two stalks of corn. And Phil goes up the pokey yep. to jail. He goes to jail. <sighs> I can't say it's the best midsummer. It's not one of my favorites. I, you know, I would like this one more because I'm a hammer horror film guy. 
I would like this one more if there wasn't the direct Hammer film film referenced one in the later episode. And and that episode is a better, it does a better job of this. Yeah. And I think this is their first attempt to be like, ooh, let's add some creepy horror references to this. Yeah. But we don't really find out. It, the the book itself is not really about Satan. It's, no, it, it's they're a making class it struggle. In, they're making oh. it into horror. Yeah. So there's not even any like creepy things. Well, I think it's a direct reference to dark satanic mills. Because yeah. the the satanic mills in the poem have nothing to do with Satan. Yeah. So the house of Satan is the is the the rich landowning industrialists, yeah. right? And uh, it, it has nothing to do with Satan, the so th- they can't even pull that through. The other thing is, I don't know about you, but I thought the uh, genuine satanic experience was much longer the first time I saw it. I did too. I'm, like I it remembered more. A long time, and like there was weird filming and stuff. We like, made it better in our we heads. We made it better in our heads. Oh, maniacs, we're sorry. Not it's trying st- to end on a down note, but still a great episode. Like it's still midsummer. It's still much so much better than a lot of things. It's still Joyce dresses a milkmaid screaming while Absolutely. shrapnel gets thrown at her. Fantastic. Still death by gazpacho. Death by gazpacho. Somebody had to clean that up. Oh, some poor person had wow. to clean it up. The whole thing is better than the designs for those public bathrooms. Yes. <laughs> so, maniacs, we're on the Facebook. We're on uh, the. Uh, we're on Reddit. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Twitter. Instagram, all those things. Leave Gmail. us a comment. Leave us a review. We'd yep. love to hear from you. you guys Tell Mark are, how much you like my cat plot better no, than his. No, a slice of murder is much better than uh, your little cat Then come quat the cantankerous cat. Yes. Pshaw. You're um, wrong. Uh, thanks again for listening. I, we're just keep rolling along here. It's kind of crazy. Again, I remind you that if you're in Britain tomorrow night, the uh, new episode for Miniature Murders is on at 8 to 10 on ITV. And listen to our mini episode two. What episode of, of Midsummer do we get to cover next week? Uh, next week, we cover uh, series six, episode five, The Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey. It's better. Yeah, it's a fun episode. <laughs> it's more fun than this one. It's got birds in it. If you decide to make a spacho because, you know, this made you crave it, be careful, okay? Yes. Just be Please careful. Be careful out there and be wary of restrooms. They're midsummery. <laughs> they look like thin tractor sheds. <laughs> I guess. All right, maniacs. Until next week. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. Okay. I don't know what the other thing is, though. Okay. You well, didn't tell we'll, me. We'll get there. I did tell you, but it's okay. Okay. So you can edit that out. Yeah.